Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include student debt and inflation, my interview with Stabby's Costa Ligris on the benefits of remote online notarization and advances from Ginny May's recently published All Participants Memorandum, and reaction to Friday's payrolls report. Today's podcast is brought to you by Simple Nexus, an Encino company and award-winning developer of mortgage technology for today's modern lenders. Simple Nexus is the digital mortgage solution used by tens of thousands of loan officers at hundreds of independent mortgage banks. Simple Nexus gives home buyers a single sign-on home buying journey from their preferred device. Learn more at simplenexus.com. LOs and underwriters are well aware that the Supreme Court overturned the Biden administration's student debt forgiveness plan, which would have wiped off $430 billion in loans from the government's books. Although there are already some alternatives that are in the making, this carries huge implications for inflation, consumer discretionary spending, and the distribution of wealth in the U.S. For more news, the latest update on inflation in the U.S. this week is June's Consumer Price Index report on Wednesday. Economists forecast headline inflation to fall to 3.0% from 4.0% in May, and core inflation to be reported at 5% from 5.3% in May. A CPI surprise could reset expectations on the direction of the Federal Reserve. The market's pricing in a 90% probability that the Federal Reserve will raise rates by 25 base points at the July 25th and 26th meeting. For today's interview, I want to welcome to the show Stavis Costa Alegris to talk about the benefits of remote online notarization and advances from Ginny May's recently published All Participants Memorandum. He's a lifelong entrepreneur and co-founder of real estate startup Stavi, a platform for connecting mortgage lenders to their vendors. Before starting Stavi, he founded a collection of professional services, real estate, and consulting firms, as well as Aces Title Agency, a title and settlement firm with operations in New England, New York, and Florida. He also advises startups and founders, particularly in fintech and prop tech verticals, both as an active angel investor and as an entrepreneur in residence at the Martin Trust Center for MIT Entrepreneurship. So as we determined last time you were on the show, or as I learned last time you were on the show, Stavi does a lot more than remote online notarization, but you're kind of my Ron expert here. So uh, I, <laughs> I want to talk about it at the start of this interview a little more and, and ask you to briefly speak on the convenience and flexibility provided by remote online notarization or Ron and I guess how it goes beyond enabling digital closings. Yeah, no, that's great. And um so honored and humbled to be your, your Ron expert or your Roxbert. Um, maybe, we, maybe we can come up with like a cool name that doesn't sound terrible. As you can tell, I'm, fortunately, I, I know more about Ron than I do about marketing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, even within mortgage organization can be required in a variety of contexts, not just like the mortgage itself or unrelated to the closing ceremony. I think um, the reality is that remote online organization um, for the first time allows a whole bunch of things to happen, which includes, but is not limited to, you know, sellers to be able to sign documents um remotely uh asynchronous closings were like two buyers like if a spouse or business partners or partners are located in different locations um they, they don't have to necessarily travel um you know servicemen and women that are deployed throughout the world can can leverage the technology 
Um, but even, you know, U.S. citizens that are living abroad, whether it be for work or travel or whatever, uh, the reality is the, the technology for the first time now powers them to be able to do transactions uh, online without having to go and get a local notary if it's permitted and then going to the U.S. embassy uh, where it's not permitted or having to go and get an apostille. There are all these like intricacies to recognize notarizations uh, across, you know, across jurisdictional, especially international um, international lines, right? And so we've had situations in the past where you know, somebody living in Canada, it's actually easier for them to drive across the border and come into the U.S. and go see a U.S. notary than to go to the U.S. embassy or consulate up in, in Canada because the appointments might be, you know, delayed. And so when you look at it from the perspective of, you know, real estate transactions, certainly for origination, buying a home, selling a home, you know, powers of attorney, um, you know, wills, trusts, where it's permitted by the wrong laws, uh, adoption papers, like a whole host, a slew of things that, you know, business transactions that can now be facilitated using um, using technology uh, from the comfort of your home, uh, from the comfort of, you know, your hotel room if you're traveling. Um, it allows for on-demand, you know, transactions to occur. I want to talk about Ginny May a little bit. And, and Ginny May recently published the All Participants Memorandum, which allows power of attorney documents used in connection with loans securitized into Ginny May MBS to be notarized using RON where and when permissible. And that changed some things. Why did this change come about and what exactly does it change? Yeah, so, you know, I certainly can't speak to the rationale underlying any government agency's decision. Um, But it's worth noting that the adoption and permissibility uses of RON for government-backed loans um, has gradually been phased in. So when Gini initially permitted the use of RON in, uh, in 2020, it did so as a part of a pilot program for its digital collateral program. Uh, during that phase of sort of this rollout for RON, it could only be used by certain issuers that were approved um, as e-issuers by Gini May and only for loans where the promissory note was an e-note. So it was very specific, right? So very prescriptive. Um, by that very nature, electronic records needed to be safeguarded, you know, transmitted and reviewed by the document custodians a little bit differently than, than hard copy uh, documents. That's to say that issuers and document custodians would, would have to at least implement some operational changes to negotiate electronic records. And from that lens, a phased approach makes sense because it allows them to sort of identify best practices that can be leveraged to expand the use of raw and other use cases. That's precisely what Ginny May has been doing. This is a sort of, you know, this is a, a, a very predictable uh, methodology. In 2021, uh, All Points Memorandum Bulletin uh, 2107, Ginny expanded the use of RON to leverage its flexibilities for loan modifications right when at, at a crucial time, right, when the market needed alternatives to process a really large volume of loan modifications um, uh, after the in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic. Stabby's actually proud um, we participated in the first ever recordable uh, electronic loan modification using RON for um, for Ginny May um, through our, our customer Flagstar Bank. Uh, and then last year, Ginny opened up that digital collateral program that I mentioned earlier, and now it's available to other issuers that are outside of the pilot. And so I think this new APM uh, 2309, which is what you're referring to, now extends the use of RON to POAs to expand the flexibility to RON technology for, for scenarios with remote closings isn't available for whatever reason. So I think if you think about it from the perspective of like a service member who's deployed in a war zone or on duty in a submarine, they now have the ability to execute a POA remotely um, and have a designated attorney, in fact, you know, do business for them, uh, you know, stateside or or wherever they're located. So, and by the way, like, you know, 
in the 20 plus years that I've been doing real estate transactions, it's not unique. Like we've seen Fannie and Freddie not accept POAs for certain types of transactions in the past. There's always been a little bit of this hesitation around giving somebody else the authority to sign on your behalf. I think what's interesting is my perspective is the technology under Ron makes it so, so much better. Like we've always questioned like, okay, did somebody purport to be the person signing the POA and was there a risk associated with that? Now we can actually have a video recording and an audit trail uh, if we have to question whether this power of attorney was actually executed by the appropriate person. And so I know you can't speak to Ginny May's motives necessarily, but when Ginny May initially permitted the use of Ron for loan documents said to them, it excluded mortgage documents signed by an attorney. Why do you believe that was? I think, again, it was really part of this, you know, uh, this risk mitigation piece and also this phased out program like rollout which is let's start with a pilot. And that's why they picked certain issuers to be part of that pilot program. Let's test it. Let's expand it. Let's see if it's scalable. And then let's continue to open the aperture and look at other use cases. And they got around to, to POAs and uh, powers of attorney. And I think that now they're, they're starting to become really comfortable understanding that this is just another tool. And now using this anti-fraud technology and identification technology that we use for, um, for validating the identity of the individual uh, perhaps some of the risks that they had around accepting powers of attorney. Uh, I guess I'm speculating, but I think you know our narrative has been that remote notarization is, in many instances, much safer than in-person notarization. And so I think uh, if I'm reading, you know, between the lines or reading the tea leaves, as they say, I think Ginny is probably acknowledging that. And so as as we've talked about here, Ginny May MBS can now be notarized using Ron where and when permissible. Ultimately, uh, how does this change how document custodians handle POAs? So Ginny has required document custodians to hold the POA along with other key documents associated with the mortgage file and confirm that the real estate transaction otherwise complies with, with the terms and requirements uh, spelled out in the power of attorney. So for example, like if the power of attorney says you can you can borrow up to 200000 like making sure that they didn't borrow above and beyond that. Um, and so you would see that if there was a mortgage limit, so for, for example there. Um, and so to perform these functions, many custodians have to create a digital copy of the POA uh, and then review and verify the certification requirements imposed on the document. Um, and so I don't think that's changed. So the, the review, verification, certification um, that's required of document custodians remains unchanged, except that now the custodians and issuers will have a more streamlined option for the transaction uh, where there's, you know, safe, where there's additional safeguards for the file. Uh, when a POA is done in electronic native it's just easier and less costly, right? And so there's no shipping needed. They have access to be able to review the signed power of attorney um, in, in much faster. They don't have to wait for a physical copy. They don't have to necessarily rely on um, on a, a scan of a scan of a scan, right? And so uh, it gives document custodians the ability to do their verification and review faster and in real time. And then if they really do have a question, again, there's an audit trail and there's, there are items that they can review, but they've not been able to uh, uh, traditionally review in, in paper transactions. Yes, I should have said for our listeners that the POA means power of attorney. Ultimately, what's this mean for folks closing from remote locations? Uh, examples I can think of would be service members uh, and FHA or VA borrowers generally, those that can't join a, a remote online notification yeah. session. Yeah, so I think so. Uh, Ron for powers of attorney helps our helps service members, you know, close from remote, remote locations, 
in situations where they may not be able to join a full RON session, right? And so with a POA, it, it, first of all, it conveys a greater benefit for, the, for, for those, obviously, that sacrifice so much for this country. And I think it gives the volume of VA loans that are pooled in the Gini Morgan Back Securities uh, a logical evolution, right, of this Gini Mays digital uh, loan program. Likewise, FHA loans have higher than average concentration of low and moderate income borrowers who simply may have less time or ability to go out and find a notary in person. And so the power of remotization now, especially for, for powers of attorney, is you know you may have a, 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 a service member that has a limited amount of time. A, a full-blown transaction might take 30, 40, 50 minutes online. They may not have that. But a single document for a power of attorney, they could do in five minutes. Um, they may be you know limited in terms of what they have for technology. Maybe they're doing it on an iPad or, or mobile mobile phone, um, and so you may have limitations in bandwidth and, and, and uh, time and technology. And so now to be able to get them to appropriately document and uh, sign notarize a single document as opposed to a whole package is um, it, it just creates more um, more flexibility and more options. And so I want to close by asking you, what does all this ultimately mean for the future? of remote online notarization where where are we headed from here yeah so uh, it's a great question i think that uh, as i've continued to sort of you know um um to sort of preach you know ron is here ron is here to stay ron will continue to see more adoption uh these policy shift evidence this incre- increasing market familiarity with the adoption of ron and what it ultimately does is the challenge with ron has been fragmentation does this state allow it? Does this lender allow it? Does Ginny allow it? Can you do a POA? Like all these questions were slowly starting to chip away. Every every time we have a new use case and a new permissibility for the use of RON, we start increasing um, transactions by decreasing the barriers. And so the you know it's re- really important because as more and more consumers get exposed to the option, they they become more intelligent, more educated about it. It highlights the needs for lenders and servicers and title and settlement companies and lawyers to have the technology in place to satisfy customer expectations. I've always said that, you know, customers drive change. And so when a customer asks for something, um, it's much more impactful. And so I think it's as customers will become more and more uh, accustomed to this technology being used for various things. The best thing that can happen is consumers getting exposed to RON for any transaction because then they see that it's possible, it's doable, it's easy, it's convenient, it's safe, which means that they'll ask for it more and more times. And then you'll start seeing more adoption, whether it be in financial services, brokerage portfolios, lending transactions, to be able to satisfy what consumers and customers ask for. That's all great news. Uh, and it certainly puts a smile on my face that is just going to make the, the customer experience that much better. Costa, I, I really enjoyed this as always and uh, look forward to having you back again on sometime soon. Likewise, appreciate being a uh, standard uh, uh, Ron expert on your show. Appreciate it. <laughs> Friday, we digested the latest non-farm payrolls report following hotter-than-expected private hiring data the previous day. The U.S. government report showed the economy created 209,000 jobs in June, well below expectations and the smallest increase since the end of 2020. The data was taken by some as a sign that the Federal Reserve's interest rate hikes were finally starting to cool the labor market. But other details of the report, such as stronger-than-forecast wage gains, suggested the Fed may have reason to resume raising rates later this month. 
Yes, the main headline to close last week was that U.S. job growth was solid, but came up short of expectations and well short of the estimate of 500,000 of new payrolls seen in Thursday's ADP employment change report. While the pace of hiring has slowed, 2023's average monthly job gains are currently at just above 287,000, which still outpaces all pre-pandemic years going back to 1997. The June employment report was the first employment report to come in below forecast over the last 15 months, but stronger-than-expected wage growth for June is likely to keep the Fed on track to raise interest rates July 26th. Wage inflation is the Fed's biggest concern, staying at a plateau for the past several months after declining in the second half of 2022, meaning there's still some ways to go to get back to a level the Fed is comfortable with. June average hourly earnings were up 0.4%, meaning that over the last 12 months, average hourly earnings have risen 4.4% versus 4.4% for the 12 months ending in May. Jobs growth may have slowed but remains too strong, and wage pressures are still too strong to justify an extended Fed pause from rate hikes. Pre-pandemic average hourly earnings were increasing at around 3.5%. This week's calendar contains plenty of market-moving potential, including the $90 billion mini-refunding over Tuesday to Thursday, with updates on consumer prices for June, expected to rise 3.1% year-over-year, producer prices, and many Fed speakers scattered throughout the week. In addition, earnings get underway with J.P. Morgan, Citigroup, Wells Fargo, and State Street reporting on Friday. Today's calendar gets underway midday today with the non-market-moving May Employment Trends Index and Wholesale Inventories and Sales for May. The afternoon brings May Consumer Credit and remarks from San Francisco Fed President Daly, Cleveland Fed President Mester, and Atlanta Fed President Bostich. We begin the week with agency MBS prices roughly unchanged from Friday night, the 10-year yielding 4.07 after closing last week at 4.05%, and the two-year at 4.91%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. I recently went to visit my 80-year-old uncle who lives on a very secluded farm in Michigan's Upper Peninsula. I've not seen him in over 20 years as he's out in the sticks and it's a 10-hour drive to his house. He only leaves the farm for groceries or doctor's appointments and never ventures far. And we spent hours chatting the entire evening and finally went to bed after midnight. Early the next morning, my uncle prepared a wonderful country breakfast of bacon, eggs, biscuits, and hash browns. As I finished my breakfast, I noticed a film-like substance on my plate and questioned my uncle asking, Are these plates clean? To which he replied, they're as clean as cold water can get them. Just you go ahead and finish your meal. For lunch, the old man grilled up some hamburgers. Again, I was concerned about the plates, as mine appeared to have tiny specks around the edge that looked like dried egg, and asked, Are you sure these plates are clean? Without looking up, he said, I told you before. Those dishes are as clean as cold water can get them. Now don't you fret. I don't want to hear another word about it. Later that afternoon, as I was packing my car to leave, my uncle's dog came out from under the front porch. The dog started to growl and bore his teeth. They are standing up on his back. I tried to go back in the house, and he wouldn't let me pass. I yelled and said, Uncle Tom, your dog won't let me come back in the house. Without diverting his attention from the Milwaukee Brewers game he was watching on TV, he shouted, Cold water! Go lay down! <laughs> Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Simple Nexus, the homeownership platform that unites the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process into one seamless end-to-end solution that spans engagement, origination, closing, incentive compensation, and business intelligence. 
To learn more about Simple Nexus and Encino Company, visit simplenexus.com. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.